I want to talk to you today once again about Saul's armor. And I want to read once again from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17, verse 38 and 39. Listen to it carefully. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword, Saul's sword, upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. He he stopped. He he didn't just put on the armor because the king told him, if you're going to fight and so much is at stake, you're going to have to fight this giant. And the deal was let our save all the bloodshed uh, on both sides. Send out your champion and we'll send out our champion and whichever one wins, we will acquiesce to the other. We'll become the servants of the Philistine. If our champion loses, the Philistines will not continue to come at that point in time and challenge us. Uh, if, if, our, if our champion wins and no one was found in Saul's army that would step up and take the challenge. Saul himself at one time could have, but he was beginning to compromise already uh, his faith and his obedience to God. And he told David, if you're going to represent Israel so much at stake, take my armor. Take the king's armor. You're fighting for, for God. You're fighting for the king. And the reason he let him do it at all is because he recognized something in David which he had and took for granted, and that was the anointing. There was something supernatural on this shepherd boy. Amen. And if you're going to deal with, with something, and I don't believe the size of the giant was the only issue. I really believe that this giant was demon-possessed because even a regular-sized person with demons in them, chains could not hold them. The demoniac of the Gadarenes, a chains couldn't hold him. They tried to chain him down, and he broke the chain because there was a legion of demons in him that Jesus cast out. So when he got on Saul's armor, he was that close to being destroyed. That's why there's a warning in this message is beware of Saul's armor. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not going to the doctor. That's not Saul's armor. It's making the doctor your source and only looking to God if the doctor can't do any more. God can't be in the back seat. He can't be the last resort for a believer. Can you say amen? Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the king. Amen. I, I, I wouldn't dare to trust just the arm of flesh. And, and it's almost like Doug was here. He was here in spirit, but he wasn't here in body. Amen. While they were on vacation. It's almost like he was here for that service because he put... A scripture that I'm going to give you in just a few moments up on the website that is exactly in line. Cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. That's what this Saul's armor issue is all about. Amen. Thank God for good insurance. Blue cross, blue shield. Thank God more for the shield of faith. Can you say, man, wherewith you can 
move into the supernatural where you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, whether it be disease, whether it be destruction. It doesn't matter what kind of arrow that he is. He is shooting at you. It's a supernatural arrow. arrow. And in this realm, this realm, we argue not against flesh and blood. That's why you can't make flesh your arm. Amen. We argue not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says, we argue not. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The problem is the church has got away from, from operating in that realm and leaning on the arm of flesh. And I'm going to tell you something that you probably, I wish I didn't have to talk about it, but it's Saul's armor. And there are leaders of certain ministries and uh, that have, have uh, in order to get the money coming in to pay the awesome bills of television, instead of using the faith that they're preaching and teaching, they hired New York uh, marketing teams to come in and you know what the the psychology of the marketing was never always be in a crisis of need never let people know that the need has been met even if you have more than your budget requires because if they think that you're doing well they won't keep giving that's dishonest that is absolute and it is leaning on the arm of flesh to market the gospel just like you would any other product. And we need a move of God's spirit, church. We don't need slick marketing schemes to sell Jesus. We need God's power, God's presence. We need God's person, and that's Jesus. Can you say amen? They said it years ago, and I'm trusting in it right now. Uh, and, and because we've been trying to walk this out and live this out our whole entire ministry, that if we do God's work, God's way, we will have God's resources. And we're down now to where if I look to this room to meet the needs of what we see in the future that God wants us to accomplish. There's not enough of us. And, and, unless God blesses you to become a millionaire. Oh Lord, bless somebody in this room to become a millionaire without the lotto. But if they do become a millionaire with the lotto, I pray they will tie the lot away, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just kidding, Lord. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. You know my heart. God knows my heart. One thing we won't do is give up on revival. One thing we won't do is just try to preach a message that's palatable to everybody so we can woo the businessman in here. Amen. No, it doesn't matter who walks in this room. They're going to hear the word of God as it's written in the Bible. We need God's blessing more than we need anybody's offering. And we're going to have an offering today. Don't, don't think we're not. We're going to have a tray here. If you would like, love to give, we would love you to give. Amen. But that's not what this is all about. You have an immortal, eternal soul. And Jesus died to save it. And there's no price that can be put on it. Can you say amen? So you're not, a, you're not an asset 
to a ministry to accomplish something material for the glory of the ministry or the minister. No, you are a precious soul that is going to live forever somewhere. And God wants you saved and he wants you sealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I believe we need to walk what we talk. If we're going to preach faith, we need to live faith. We need to quit whining. We need to quit hiring uh, executives from New York City to try to market uh, whatever we're, you know, we're selling. My son uh, is with the Lord. He became an alcoholic. Uh, his, his life was tarnished and hurt, and I had to watch that, and it tore my heart out of me. Uh, he, he hurt his body. He came full circle back to the Lord. He was ready to meet the Lord. He wanted to go home to be with the Lord so bad. He said, Dad, if I beat you to heaven, don't worry about it. I've made everything right with God, and I'm ready to go home. He quit talking about heaven as, uh, as heaven. He only started talking about it as home. Praise God. He talked about Jesus as his king. He said, my king has saved me and my king has given me peace in my heart. Praise God. So two years ago, my son went to be with the king and the sovereign and the savior that, that had, had turned his life around and, and, and brought him into his safe place. I got up the next morning after he went home to intercede for his soul and it suddenly hit me. We've won this thing. He's saved. He's with the Lord. The devil can't hurt him anymore. He can't hurt himself anymore. He's not got any more battle to fight with alcohol. Thank God he's delivered forever, set free forever in the presence of the Lord. I went to pray for him because I had prayed for him every single morning all of those years. I had a commitment to pray for him like I prayed for your husband. Amen. We got up every morning. He was the first one because he was in the greater need than anyone I knew at that time. Praise God. But God is good. Amen. How much weight has he gained? A few pounds. And Thanksgiving's coming up. Amen. <laughs> We always say, gobble till you wobble. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good, and he's not done with him yet. He's got a work to do in him, but he's begun. You know, the scripture said, he that's begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He won't let up. He will not relent. He won't give up on you if you won't give up on him. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. David put on Saul's armor. He was that close. He was going. It made sense. It made logical sense. And the king said, take my armor. You're representing the God of Israel. You're representing the king of Israel. You're representing the people. Everything hinges on this. Whether we serve the Philistines or they back off. And he put it on and he stopped. Assayed. He stopped. A said to go means we got ready to go, but we didn't go yet. But we were preparing to go. He essayed to go. He put it on. He got ready to go. And he stopped. And he said, I have never, ever fought with armor of any kind. A bear came to take a sheep. And David, because he had been anointed to be king. He didn't know that yet. Saul didn't know that yet. 
But that anointing had been poured over his head. Saul was really on his way out, and, and David hadn't been introduced yet as to be king, but as this champion for Israel, Saul saw in him what he used to operate in. And he gave him his armor, and David stopped and said, I haven't proven this. The only thing I know that I have proven is not the natural. It is the supernatural. A bear came, and a shepherd boy walked out, and he used that sling, evidently, to kill the bear. And the bear fell dead. Now, this is a shepherd boy dealing with a bear. I saw a sign the other day, and it said, I think it was in Hobby Lobby, in fact. I saw a sign that you put up on the wall, and I thought about it for a cabin. I thought about it for, a, for, a, for Alabama, for the little house in Alabama. It said, it said what, what, what doesn't, what, what is it, what don't, what don't hurt you, what don't kill you, makes you stronger. Unless it's a bear. He will kill you. <laughs> Can you say amen? This bear fell because of the anointing. A lion came next. And the lion doesn't see any problem with taking a sheep from the fold. But David has had a horn of oil poured over him. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God came on him and he killed the lion. And so when he came down, once again, they're pointing towards Saul's armor. They're looking in the physical. They don't have any, any understanding, appreciation. They can't appropriate the supernatural. So they tell him when he comes down not to fight a giant. His daddy sent him as a servant-hearted young man to bring bread and cheese to his big brothers who were in Saul's army. And they begin to tell him, said, listen... I don't know what you're thinking, but have you seen the size of this man? Have you seen the size? And then they described in detail how tall he was, how much the coat of mail on the giant weighed, and they were telling him all of this stuff, and it's going in one ear and out the other. See, when you start moving under the anointing of God, uh, all of that stuff, doctor comes out and said, there's no hope. And you look at him and chuckle. Can you say amen? Oh, unless you've got Saul's armor on. If you're looking to him and him alone and, and saying, God, why, did you, why haven't you healed me yet? And, and listen, it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over because you have a prognosis. I was, I was diagnosed with cancer of the blood, with leukemia, when I was seven going on eight years old. The doctor said because we had no insurance to take him home, and I thought it was really neat. I didn't know how the gravity of the situation, seven going on eight, but I heard the doctor, Dr. Paul Menthorn, whose office was on Hillsborough Avenue, just before you go over that bridge on Hillsborough or that we used to call it a viaduct. And he said, take him home, keep him comfortable, give him all the sweets, anything you want, because I was jaundiced. It had affected my liver. I was weak. I, could, I, I, I laid on the couch after school because I had absolutely no energy. So he, he said, when he gets 
in the last stages, we can get him into the county hospital to die, not to be cured, not to have a bone marrow transplant or anything that they could do because we didn't have insurance. So they'll put him in the county hospital to give him morphine, let him ease out of this world. And I would have eased out of this world. If I look to Saul's army, if the doctor had the last word, but he did not. My dad took me to church. There was a church in Tampa, downtown Tampa, called the Tampa Revival Center. They had service seven days a week. So you, if you wanted to go to church, they were having church. But things were happening, supernatural things were happening in that church. And I, that Freddie Gray, an evangelist from Texas, happened to be preaching when my dad took me uh, to the Tampa Revival Center. And I remember uh, him and my mom, they both are they're sitting there. They had this line of people being prayed for. And so my mother actually took me by the hand. And, and my dad was the person of faith in the family, but she was desperate for her son. She took me, and we walked down front. And as I walked, first encounter with the power of God that I ever encountered. My feet, I could, you've heard that old Pentecostal song, God's not dead, he's still alive. How do you know? I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him all over me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, I, I love the presence of God, but I felt something I had never felt. I'd never encountered the supernatural power of God before, but I, I was beginning to encounter it. And it began, the closer I got to where they were praying for people, I felt it coming up. It's like a bathtub running and rising. It came up to my waist. You know, there's an Old Testament scripture that said, I walked out in the water and I found out it was ankle deep. I went a little further, came up to my waist. I went a little further, and it came up to my neck. I went a little further, and the bottom fell out. There were waters to swim in. The closer I got, the more I was engulfed in the presence and power of God by the Holy Spirit. And when we got right in front, ready to be prayed for, my, my mother started to say, my son has... Lou, she got the Lou of leukemia out. But this, and this was an uneducated man. He, he, he didn't know medical terms, but he grabbed a hold of me and he said, I rebuke this cancer in this child's blood in the name of Jesus Christ and I command it to loose him and leave him and let him go. Glory be to God. See, I was over. I had waters to swim in then. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when that occurred, the next morning, I got up. I had a dog named Poncho. And we, I couldn't play with him. He loved to play every single day. He was a wiener dog named Poncho. Me and Poncho were best of friends. We, <laughs> I, I still love dogs. Almost as much as people. Maybe a had better. I don't know. Amen. <laughs> they are faithful. <laughs> I, I got a I got a door stop by my door and it says it says <laughs> people tolerated, dogs welcome. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> They're faithful friends, aren't they? If you have an animal, you know what I'm talking about. Praise God. I got up and, and Poncho's wagging his tail and I run out and I'm running around the yard and we're having a, he chased me for a while and I'd chase him and he'd chase me and I'd chase him. And my mother said, son, come on. Cause she knew your condition. You know, you're weak. Don't, don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. I said, mama, 
Mama, God healed me last night. And, and see, I wasn't just saying it because I didn't get it and I didn't understand. I was saying it because I felt 100% energized and healthy and well. Praise God. They took me back to the doctor for verification, took the blood test again. And because the doctor wasn't a person of faith, you know, he's a man of science. He looked at the data and he, you know what he put down on my report? Spontaneous remission. Isn't that wonderful? I don't care. That's good. That's fine. I'm going to tell you something about cancer. Cancer doesn't just decide, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit multiplying cells and trying to destroy this body. No, it quit because, <laughs> because a man of God under the anointing of God through the name, the authority of the name of Jesus told it to desist and to get out of my body. And there was spontaneous remission. That's why I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said, let there be a firmament and bang! There was a firmament. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's a fact, Jack. That's not just a theory. We don't need science. All we need is faith. Can you say amen? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed and formed by the word of God. Hallelujah. This is all about faith. Saul's armor is trusting in anyone and in anything with all of your heart. Instead of God, supplanting God, replacing God, becoming independent from God instead of more dependent on God. Your, your 401k can become your nest egg and not God to supply the need. I worked with a guy at Tampa Electric. When I first went to Tampa Electric, I was, I was before I became a full-time minister, left there to go into full-time ministry and there was a guy retiring, had a big retirement party. He bought a big Winnebago. He was planning on traveling, he and his wife. Uh, he was getting ready to go, but he had some pain in his stomach. And she said, we don't want to get on the road and you get sick. I want you to go to the doctor before we leave. He went to the doctor, stomach cancer, last stages. Within six months, he never left home. The Winnebago never pulled out of the yard. Amen. You see, Saul's armor is trusting that with my money, with my plans that I have. You know, God warned us about that. He said, don't say, I'm going to go in that city tomorrow and do this. I'm going to go in that town and build this. But say this, if the Lord wills. Because you don't know what another day is going to bring. Can you say amen? But if you put your trust in the Lord, the Bible said, trust in the Lord. Commit thy way unto him. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring his will, his purpose to pass in your life. I had a stroke several years ago. Eight years ago, I believe, this, this season that we're moving into, that, that seven or eight years, God has been good to me because on the the first half of the third day, I walked out of the hospital with no after effects, nothing. And they couldn't find anything to fix because God beat them to it. 
I really believe that. Amen. People begin to pray. God listen. And God has a purpose for me. That's why I'm still preaching after all of these years under the most adverse conditions that I could ever preach under. And that is a lot of people are not here anymore. Most of the people that really were, you know, with us down through the years are they're in heaven. They're with them. They've been promoted. Amen. My wife and I are becoming the senior. I'll be glad when Brother Taylor gets back because he's 81. And we can have somebody in the room, amen, that, that we can call the, the elder here. Praise God. Amen. God's been good to me. He still left me here. He has a purpose. But my plans involve bowing to his will. So you can't, you can't make man your source. That's why when people are trying to raise money to meet the bill, I, would, I love what Billy Graham said. Years ago when PTL came crashing down, and, and the, see, when you quit focusing on God, it's a slippery slope. When you quit trusting God, it's a slippery slope. When you go off the rails and start using schemes to get people to give, it's no surprise that there's another moral failure that is going to occur because we're looking to the arm of flesh, even our own ingenuity, our own intelligence to get things done. And when it failed and when it crashed and when the world world news rejoiced, I was at a Sears getting tires on my car. People that was on the news and they were interviewing Billy Graham and Billy Graham. They asked him about what about this and, and the schemes and the, the defrauding of people. And, 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 the, and, and he said, he said, I can't address the heart. Only God knows the heart, but I would not, I will not do what some people are doing to meet the need. I will trust that God will send it. You see, it's so easy to focus on people to get the need met instead of God. And the moment we do, we're putting on Saul's armor because we're trusting in something or someone else instead of God. And it's so easy to trust the Lord. Amen. You say, Brother Bimble, no, that's, no, it's easy for me to trust the Lord because I see how fickle people are. And we proved the Lord for 46 years. Amen. I see how grim doctors are. They'll give up on you. Shake their head, walk away, done all we can do. And as an afterthought, even if they're not Christians, sometimes they will say, it's in the hands of God, or it's in God's hands, or it's in the hands of a higher power. However, there was a man from India that when my son almost died before, that he actually went to be with the Lord before he got full circle back to God. He had a liver condition. We prayed for him. And, and the doctor told him that only a part of his liver was functioning. After prayer, he went back and the doctor said, if I didn't know that you had a liver condition, the report now, your enzymes are above normal. They're above normal. They're above where a healthy person is supposed to be. And, and he pointed up, he said, someone has touched you other than our medications and what we're doing. He acknowledged God 
Isn't that wonderful when a man of science, maybe not even a Christian, acknowledges that someone has heard a prayer? Someone, oh, we need more of that in the church because we're supposed to be not putting on Saul's armor. We're supposed to be putting on God's armor. Can you say man? Now, let me finish with these scriptures right here. We're reviewing so we can go forward. David stopped in his tracks realized I can't go against him small as I am and have confidence that I can win this in the name of the Lord. By the way, he said, I've slayed the lion, I've slayed the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Can you say, man, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But he can't do it with Saul's armor. But he got ready. He is saved to go. He almost went to battle with it on. If he had, I want to show you what would have happened to him and how close he came to being destroyed and defeated. And I want it to be a warning to you and me. I take it to heart today. Too many pastors, too many leaders of ministry are looking to schemes to get the need met instead of God to speak to the hearts of the people. And it's bringing a reproach on the ministry. People look at anyone on television suspiciously. They do. The world is smart enough to see through these schemes like the blessed wallet. I saw a guy on television had a wallet and it was a blessed wallet. And if you give to the ministry, they're going to send you the blessed wallet. That's kind of like a rabbit's foot, you know type thing, good luck charm thing. Uh, but you got to give to get it, of course. And it's a blessed wallet. And he opened up, and you know, we're in high def days now. We're, we're in a day when, you know, it zooms in and macros on things. And, and I don't want to ever be, if I ever get on, if, if I was ever on television, I was on satellite to, to North Africa not too long ago. And, but thank God it wasn't a high def camera. Can you say, man, it'll zoom in on your wrinkles will look like, uh, what is it? Uh, the Grand Canyon? Anyway, <laughs> and, and, and he opened up the blessed wallet, and, and I mean, it was full of bills, paper money. And, but you could see it was all ones. It wasn't 20s. It, was, it wasn't 50s. It wasn't 100s. It was all ones. But it's a blessed wallet. God's going to. And then another guy. And these are people that's going out in crusades and doing things. And, and, and he's, he's, it's Saul's armor. And, and, and what he was selling for the, for a, for, well, it's not selling. It's for a gift of $50. But you can't get it unless you give the $50. But we're not selling. See, that's for tax purposes. We're just, we are offering a gift for people who give. Anyway, it was, it was, it was a, a, a glow in the dark, like Darth Vader's sword for kids. You hold it up to a light and that sword accumulates the light and it glows in the dark. And what it was, it was a statue of Jesus that glows in the dark. And the deal was, the guy is serious. He says, you take this at night and you hold it up to a lamp, sit it under your lamp before you go to bed. And then you sit it right by your bed. And while you're sleeping, if the devil comes and he looks in your room and wants to do you harm, 
there's going to be that, I mean, you know, we're laughing, but they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in television time because we're biblically illiterate. Amen. We don't know the word or we'd know how wrong it is. And we wouldn't have such a reproach, particularly on the Pentecostal movement. And and he he looks at, he said he'll come in and he'll see Jesus glowing in the dark. And he said, oh no, I cannot go in there. And I thought, he's been watching too many Dracula movies. You know, where you make this. No, it wasn't Jesus. It was a cross. It was a glow-in-the-dark cross. And I thought, you know, the devil's going to see that and back off. And I thought, no, the devil isn't afraid of a a glow-in-the-dark cross. He's not afraid of a big gold one around your neck. The cross, uh, metal cross, the plastic cross doesn't scare him. The old rugged cross is the one that, that scares him into a panic. Can you say, man? Because it was on that cross that he was defeated. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Now is, is, the, is the enemy of our soul, the accuser of the brethren, cast down that accused them day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. There's victory in Jesus today, but there's not victory in all of this messed up stuff. My dad sent in to a lady preacher on television some years ago to get David's, David's, David's anointed stone as if they had taken and found the stones that David used. But this was stuff you put in the bottom of an aquarium. It was those little blue stones, David's something stone, and he got it in the mail. And it didn't cost him to give it away free because they want your name and address. And then he got another letter. And that letter said, that letter said, a prophecy. There was a good, positive prophecy in that letter. And it said for a gift of $50 to the ministry, I'll send you the, God has spoken to me concerning you. There was a prophecy and I'll send you the rest of the prophecy. And even my dad, who wasn't, I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying he wasn't that biblically literate but he got that when they asked for $50 for the rest of the prophecy they sell you the first part to hook you and then you got to give to get the second part I got something in the mail because somebody put me on a mailing list and and it was it was Judas's there was a little bag in here let you put marbles in little cloth bag and said we're all guilty of Judas's blood money. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And if you want to be blessed, you need to put $30 in check, money, order, or coins in this bag. <laughs> Isn't that, we're laughing. Who does this? Who in their right spiritual mind does this? Penny, I hate to say it, I, Pentecostals. Because we're standing in line to get a word from the Lord through prophecy instead of opening up the Bible in a Bible study. That's why the Sunday school plant in some churches that are non-spirit filled, they, they have big, it's bigger than the church is the Sunday school where they teach you the Bible. 
I had a pastor's Bible class. Eight people came. Eight adults came to the pastor's Bible class. Two of them, a man and his wife came. They gave liberally every time they came. They ordered tapes of the teaching, but they didn't stay for the service. Because they're going to see a hundred, at that time, over 125 people show up and use the balcony because they knew when the, and I'm not putting this down. Thank God for the anointing and the power of God. But if that's all you have and you don't have the word of God, you're not able to discern. You can't tell the devil from, uh, you can't tell the devil from, from a preacher. You can't tell a, a, an angel from the depths of hell from, because they can transform as angels of light and they're, and ministers as ministers of righteousness. So put the $30 in here and send it in. It'll break the curse on your finances. And I thought, Lord, 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 where does it end? Where do we quit playing church and playing games? And how do we get people to come to hear the word of God so they can grow spiritually enough to discern? Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age that by reason of the exercise of their senses can discern good and evil. And you think that's easy. It is not. You've got to be students of the word. Saul's armor will set you up for defeat. Saul's armor will put God as a last resort instead of your first line of defense. Saul's armor is the arm of flesh. Saul's armor is trying to go against a spiritual entity and enemy without God's armor on. The armor of the Lord is supernatural. The devil is supernatural. There's nothing in the physical world. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, but they're mighty through God. They're mighty through God. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. All right, I'm going to read this quickly as we close because I can't finish this all today, but I am going to read the scripture one more that you put up online because that convinced me it's almost like you were here. You know how you put something up that's similar to what's been preached? Well, you were here in spirit and you didn't even realize it and we didn't even know you were here. But you'll see what I'm talking about. After David slayed the giant without Saul's armor, let me tell you what would have happened if he had put it on. When Saul quit making God his source and became disobedient, Philistines came back. They didn't come with the giant because he's down and he's out, but they came with their army. In 1 Samuel 31, I want to show you Saul with the armor that he offered David going to battle without God's blessing without the supernatural. It said, now the Philistines, 1 Samuel 31 in closing, now the Philistines fought against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. Jonathan was in that and I want to tell you something else here, and you may not like this, but I'm way beyond trying to win friends and influence people. 
I want to please God today. Because if I try to make everybody happy in this room, that's Saul's armor. Can you say, man? And I got to have God's blessing. As much as I need and appreciate every one of you, without God's blessing, I could still die of cancer. Amen. But with God's blessing, I'm going to be here till he calls me home, not because the devil tries to take me out. Can you say, man? Listen to me very carefully. This is, this is very important. Jonathan, it said he loved David. With, the, with, the, with a deeper love than a man would have for a woman. Because, see, there was nothing, there, there was nothing selfish about it, no, nothing sexual about it. He loved David. He respected David. But when push come to shove, he chose to go with his daddy into battle, knowing his daddy was wrong with God, Saul. And he didn't have to, he, he didn't have to do that. But his family commitment there are people sitting in churches deader than a doornail. I call them the frozen chosen. Jesus calls them, thou hast a name that liveth, but thou art D-E-A-D. How dead? Graveyard dead. Why? Because my mama goes there. My daddy went there. My friends go there. And they're sacrificing their spiritual life and their spiritual good just to be in that social setting that they are used to. And they're not prepared to deal with the devil at all. They're not ready for that. But they're loyal to their denomination. They're loyal. Honey, when it comes to my soul, I love you. But if you dry up, I'm not going to dry up with you. If you backslide, you won't find me when you get back. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm serious about my soul. I'm serious about my faith. If you want to talk negative and defeat all the time, we cannot have a conversation. What would you do, Brother Venable? I would just walk away. Like, like, amen. Amen. I'd do my best to ignore you. Amen. No, I'm not going to let you talk me out of my healing. I'm not going to let a man, I'm not going to let a doctor. I, I, when, when I told the doctor I'd had a stroke and told him what God had done for me, he said, well, we better not push the envelope. And boy, he was going to go to work on me. And he looked at me like, I don't want to hear none of that faith stuff. I don't want to hear none of that. He had, see, he was talking to the wrong man. Amen. When I, when I, <laughs> Amen. When I left, I left, didn't I? Praise God. Scared her. She said, Lord, I'm till God, God had to tell her. I told her she didn't listen. God had to tell her. And now, now it's evident. It's evident. My blood pressure is normal. I'm not on medication. I'm 73. I've had a stroke. I have normal blood pressure. I, I'm not on any medication. None. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you that God is faithful. And I'm telling you that you can lean on the arm of flesh if you choose to. But you're cursed if you do. But Or you can trust God if you choose to. And you'll be blessed if you do. Can you say amen? And if God gives me the option of cursing or blessing. Boy, I'm in a quandary. No, I'm not in a quandary. Can you say, man? No, this is because, didn't I tell you it was becoming simple? You got a curse here, a blessing there. You got the arm of flesh there or, the, or God's great mighty hand over here. Hmm. 
Oh, I'm, I'm in a straight betwixt two. What if, what if I, what if I don't do what over here? What, what am I going to do? Well, you're going to have God's blessing. You're going to have God's promise fulfilled. Amen. That's what you're going to do. Uh, R.W. Shambach was told he had a terrible heart problem 20 years before he went home to be with the Lord, way up in his 80s somewhere. He was sitting in a traffic jam and he started having heart pain. And if you've been told you have a heart problem, you have heart pain, you're only human. You're only human. And he, he said, I sat there and the devil told me, you're going to die in this traffic jam right here today. And even if you could see, all he had was a beeper back then. We didn't have all this, you know. You remember beepers, anybody? Yeah, you don't go that far back, but you remember beepers. I'm glad somebody remembers beepers. <laughs> The rest of you young people, beepers. Anyway, he said, he said, he said the devil told him, I'm, you're going to die right here today. And they can't even get an ambulance to you because they can't get cars in. They can't get them out. There's a big wreck and a traffic jam on the interstate. And he said he sit there being tormented by fear. And he said, I just got so tired of it. I said, Lord, my trust has been in you all of these years. Now, don't do something like this unless you have faith. Don't, don't do what somebody else did by faith. You got to have personal faith. Amen. So he, he said, so I, I, I told the Lord, Lord, my trust has been in you all these years. I have preached faith in you all of these years and I am tormented right now. Afraid I'm going to die. Well, if I, if you, if you are going to let the devil destroy me, if you are going to bring me home with a heart attack yourself, then, then that'll be fine with me. But I'm not going to sit here and be tormented by fear. He said, I threw open my car door and went running straight down the road. As hard. In other words, if it's going to happen, let it go and happen. I'd rather go to heaven than sit here in the car and be tormented by the devil. Now, don't you go running unless you've got faith. Disclaimer. Big disclaimer. Can you say amen? But if your faith rises up, it'll pick you up. <laughs> he said, I ran down the road. As, as he said, I must have run a half a mile. And he said, I want you to know preachers don't always, you know, don't always get that kind of exercise. He said, I was winded. <laughs> I was tired. But that pain left me. That fear left me. Because I literally said my trust is in the Lord. Amen. And if I'm going home, I'm going to go ahead and jump out of this car and go home. But I'm not going to sit in this car and be tormented by fear. Fear hath torment. Hallelujah. Not because it's tormenting but hallelujah because perfect love cast out all fear amen and he never had another problem went home in his 80s he lived 20 more years but he could have sat in that car and said lord why have you allowed me to get sick in this traffic jam and i can't even get to a hospital and they can't get to me It comes down to a choice. And it's not a hard choice, especially after you listen to Saul in battle. Wrong with God. Not depending on the Lord's blessing or the Lord's help, but depending on his own ingenuity and ability and the king's armor. Are you ready to hear it? 
How many heard it already? How many know it's going to help somebody up online, somebody in this room? It's already helped my wife, and she doesn't remember every sermon. But she takes notes sometimes. And I was afraid one time she's going to read them back to me. I think that's why she was taking them. <laughs> One of these days when he's down in the dumps, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that and read it to him. In fact, Doug, Doug made me. We had a tape on God rescuing you, and Doug made me break in case of emergency. And it was one of my own disc, and it had a big red cross on it. And it was a message I preached to people that were down in the dumps, down in the valley, and discouraged. And I haven't had to break it yet, Brother Doug. I just want you to know that I'm doing pretty good in that department. But I still got it. <laughs> and it's me preaching to me. It said, listen, you see what David almost put on? Saul's armor, he got ready to go. He had it on, but he put it off. He said, because I haven't tried this, but I have proven God. Listen. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The men of Israel fled before the Philistines fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melcheshua and Saul's sons. The battle went sore against Saul and the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul to his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. He finished himself off. That's what he put on David. What he wore into battle wrong with God is what he put on David and what David put on and got ready to go to battle in. Saul's armor is serious business. The church trusting in get-rich schemes to get people to give are putting on Saul's armor, and that's fine to build something of stone and mortar or to drive something of steel and leather. Amen. But I want to tell you something. When we deal with demon forces and we deal with the supernatural, we better have on God's armor. Can you say amen? Listen to me carefully. I want to see a revival, and it needs to begin not in America, not in the White House, and not in the Cat House down the street. It needs to begin in the church house, and it needs to begin in the pulpit, not just the pew. Someone said, get the polar bear out of the pulpit. You can melt the ice cubes out of the pew. It ain't necessarily so, but that's a good place to start. Can you say amen? Ain't no polar bear in this pulpit. I'm holding out for revival. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise on his sword and died with him. Don't go to battle with someone with Saul's armor on. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men the same day together. And when the men of Israel were on the other side of the valley, 
they that were on the other side of Jordan saw the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. They forsook the cities and fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain. They found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. When David heard about it, instead of rejoicing over this enemy that tried to kill him out of jealousy, he said, tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in Ashkelon. That's the two capital cities of the Philistines. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. The devil rejoices over every Christian leader that fails and falls. And they're falling today. They're falling because of Saul's armor instead of God's armor. The last time I read about God's armor, it is impenetrable. It is, doesn't leave you vulnerable. It covers you from head to toe. Amen. The shield alone quenches every fiery dart, every flaming arrow of the devil. Can you say, man, there is victory in Jesus. We're not all subject to our weak flesh. We're not all going to be sucked up in the culture that is that is pulling us away from God. We're not all going to falter and we're not all going to fail. This armor, so having done all, you can stand having done all. Stand. Can you say, man? I want my marriage to last until one of us goes home, till death do us part. Not because of adultery and not because of some sexual sin. Amen. I want to be a living, breathing example that God is real. Amen. The Word of God is relevant in the 21st century and there is victory. I want you to know you can be healed today. You don't have to be destroyed before your time. You don't have to let the devil or a disease take you out until God calls you home. You don't have to it's a choice and to me it's getting easier to make when i see how how limited man is and how good god is and how great god is and how faithful god is hallelujah and they put his armor saul's armor that he gave david that david almost went to battle in and put off and they put his armor in the house of ashtaroth and they fastened his body, his trunk, after being hacked up, they fastened it to the wall of Bethshun. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard that which was the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose. Thank God everybody didn't run. There were some valiant men left, and they went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshun. And they came to Jabesh and burnt them there because there wasn't enough to have the kind of funerals they had. And they took their bones and buried them after the flesh had burned off of what was left of them under a tree at Jabesh. And they fasted seven days. When God was no longer Saul's source, he trusted his armor. His soldiers, his own resources rather than his God. Beware of Saul's armor. Beware of Saul's armor. 
Listen to David's confession of faith. And look at the difference. Then said David to the Philistine, This was without Saul's armor. Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. You've got armor and you've got physical weapons. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth shall know there is a God in Israel. Not a man of faith doing exploits. There's a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Isn't it about time that the world knows that our God is the true and the living God? And if we'll put our trust in him, he'll not only show up, he'll show out. And he'll show us his glory. Defeat our enemies. Hallelujah. Give us victory in our lives and our families. Hallelujah. Doug Scripture. This is what he put up before he put up two more. On our website, Jeremiah 17, 9, and this is the choice we make as we close. When this come up on the website, I said Doug was here in spirit because he must have heard this message to put up this scripture. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 and verse 9. I'm going to throw that in as a bonus. Everybody love a bonus? Okay. Thus saith the Lord. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart, this is where the decision is made, whose heart departeth, whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath. Everybody, anyone ever seen on television a tumbleweed? Dried up, blowing around. A heath in the desert is very similar plant, dry. He shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when the good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. But blessed be the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall, he shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Now the danger's in the next verse. The heart is deceitfully wicked, desperately wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. God knows it. God knows if I'm trusting him or trusting them. God knows if I'm trusting in him, amen, to open doors, or I'm trusting in someone to open a door. I almost put on Saul's armor because I knew someone that is a millionaire. And that person could write a check and build us a tabernacle and write it off of taxes. And when I begin to think about that person and what that person could do for us, I remembered these words. And I thought, no, 
no, no, no. I never want to look to a physical individual. When I left Tampa Electric, we went to the Holy Church of God. I left a good job with job security. Boy, I thought I was going to have to pull rank on my wife. You know, I mean, Tampa Electric security, we were making it. We didn't have anything left over. You know, it's gravy through a goose. You get paid, you pay your bills, but thank God for the goose and the gravy thing. And you say, man, hallelujah, praise God. And I prayed, God told me, said, I want you to take that church full time. I want you to quit your job, take it full time. And I thought, I'm leaving security. I'm leaving 401k. I'm leaving retirement. And trusting in people. No. He said, you're not trusting in people. You're trusting in me. And I'm going to tell you, God met the need. We used to run with $7,000 above the budget just in the treasury for any kind of emergency. I mean, we did that for years. God met the need. God sent people just to give, and we didn't ask them for it. God moved and saved people. Some, some people got saved in that ministry. Many people did, in fact. Got baptized in water after they got saved. Hallelujah. So anyway, I told my wife, I said, I, no, I told the Lord. I wasn't going to tell her yet. But I, I had a date that I was going to, God gave me an actual date that said, after this date, you will no longer work at Tampa Electric. Go ahead and give your two-week notice before that date. I want you to go on into full-time ministry now. That's what I prepared you for. And I thought, well, you've prepared me for it, but I need my partner. Amen. I need her. In, no, it's not that I'm not the head of the house. Come on now. Amen. But I want a partner. I don't want to just pull rank. I don't want to be like the preacher that told me. He said, I went in and told my wife after I read the scripture, I'm the captain of this ship. She stood up and said, sit down, clown. You're rocking the boat. Amen. <laughs> so he said that didn't work so well. Amen. <laughs> don't, don't do that to him. Don't, don't pull the captain stuff. Just ease it in on her. Don't just. Amen. You got to use wisdom, right? Wisdom. Absolutely. <laughs> But don't you need her agreement in decisions? You want her to be beside you. Took the rib out of, out of his side, not out of his big toe. Glory to God. Amen. Didn't want the wife under the foot. Wanted the wife right there beside of him in a partnership, a holy partnership. So I wanted my partner. I didn't want to drag her screaming into full-time ministry. I'd heard stories. <laughs> my uncle was a pastor, and I'd seen things. And I thought, I'm going to need my partner, because if things go south when I quit my job, I don't want her to say, I told you so. You know, I want her right there saying, God's going to help us. God will make a way. Amen. And I remember uh, coming home to eat supper, and I said, Lord, please tell my wife. And I'd set a date, just tell my wife, you tell her before I tell her, I want you to talk to her first. And we're sitting at the table now, the clear blue. She said, and I, I'm going to use the 15th arbitrarily. I don't know what day of the month it was, but I'm going to use the 15th. But it was one of those numbers. And she said, out of the clear blue, I believe that after the 15th, we will be in full-time ministry. And I said, I want to shout, praise God. Amen. 
And after the 15th, I remember my last day, I turned, I gave my notice. I, they, they, I, I quit. My security was gone. We moved into a broke down old parsonage behind the church, had a hole in the floor in the bathroom. We put a rug over the hole. We had, we had Nashville recording artists come down to sing. Uh, they were Christian recording artists out of Nashville and they come over to the house and said, pastor, can we use the bathroom? I said, yes, but see that rug right there. Don't step on that rug. It's covering a hole in the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And they looked at me like, whoa, whoa." now the next time you'll pray harder before you come to our church. Can you say, man, see, (laughs) but God met the need. God met the need. God met the need. Thank God we went from that old broke down parsonage to a double wide mobile home. I almost said trailer. Can you say amen? A double wide. And oh my. And it was brand new. 50 by 24. It wasn't a big one. But boy, out of that, after coming out of that place we were in, <laughs> we sat down on the floor. We sit down with no furniture, nothing for anything. And God didn't. We sit down on the floor. I remember sitting on the floor in the kitchen, thanking God. Said, "Isn't this wonderful? Here we sit. It's clean. No cucarachas." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean cockroaches. <laughs> Amen. How do you say that in Spanish? Roach. Cucaracha? It is cucaracha. I was right. Oh, Lord, I'm so, I'm so glad you're here today. Fist bump. Amen. I couldn't do it without you. So when they're singing la cucaracha, la cucaracha, they're singing about cockroaches? What? <laughs> Too much tequila, right? Too much tequila. Way too much tequila. (laughs) How many people in this room, given the choice, there's the arm of flesh. I'll take care of you. I'll meet every need. If you just had this much money, if you just had this doctor, if you just had this, then there's nothing about money, nothing about doctors. We receive as God blesses us through them. But our trust is in the Lord. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. You're coming with sword and spear. I could have had a sword and a shield, but I don't. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whose armies you have defied. Praise God. And God gave him a supernatural victory. And, and, and when, the, when, when all of those Hardened soldiers saw their champion fall to a shepherd boy with no visible armor. Oh, he had armor. It just wasn't visible. Can you say, man, when they saw that, it took all the fight out of them. Can you say, man, hallelujah. And not only did it take the fight out of them, it put the fight in God's army. 
Saul was no longer operating in the supernatural. David did. Amen. And the Bible said the Philistines fled. They ran like crazy in the opposite direction because they said there's a God in Israel. There's more than just, come on, there's more than just well-armed armies of great military. There's a God. We could fight a military. We could fight a man. We sent our champion, but there's a God defending them. And we're afraid of him. And when the men of Israel saw it, they gave chase. See, once God shows up and God shows out, a lot of mossy-backed Christians, that, that's like old turtle that's been sitting in the same old pond for 20 years. Can you say, man, got moss on its back? Amen. A lot of mossy-backed old Christians been sitting for ages in church, hadn't seen God answer a prayer, hadn't seen God move. When they see a move of God, I believe people are going to rise up and say, listen, God is on the move. God is doing things. Amen. When we went to Sulphur Springs in Tampa, there wasn't nobody there. There was 12 people, amen, in the first service. But we came to a place where they would drive around the church and drive away because there's no room to park. Amen. There's a story about all of that. We came to a place we hoped nobody else would go up in the balcony. You sat up there. It kind of creaked and it was old church. We wondered if too many people get up there, it might just fall. But then we said, no, God's got it. God's got this. And he took care of us down through the, all of that. Amen. That's why I can't give up on revival. That's why I can't deal. Uh, just look for some program to take care, to try to stimulate people. I want people to be stimulated by the cross of Christ. Amen. To come, to worship Him, to serve, to give, and to live for Jesus. Can you say amen? And, and if the cross don't grow, then we're not even having church anymore. It has become something less than the church of Jesus Christ. If the cross doesn't draw Christians, then Christians need to repent and rekindle the flame of the first love once again. Can you say amen? Will you stand your feet today? I'm going to ask you a question. How many people in this room will say, Pastor Venable, I am duly cautioned about Saul's armor. I need the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Peter, Paul, and James, and John. I need Jesus Christ in my life to be the same as he was yesterday and is today and will be forever. I need a faith that is simple and childlike. And I need to lean heavily on the Lord once again so that he can sustain me and support me. No matter how dark the night or deep the valley, my trust is in the Lord. Hallelujah. They that choose that will be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about his people to deliver them. Let's come back. 
draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. Return to me, I will return to you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just by the lifting of your hand, the opening of your heart, Pastor Venable, I need this challenge. I want this change in my life. Just lift your hand. Let's, let's get in this together. I want this challenge because I need this change. I need this peace. I need this person. I need this power in my life. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, you see this today. It pleases you. Faith honors you. That's why you honor faith on our part so much. Hallelujah. It is for your glory. It is for our good. And we believe because of that, mighty things are going to occur in the lives and homes and families of your people. And mighty things are going to occur in this ministry as we go forward because we're not dependent on a room full of people. We're dependent on a God who says, I'm not done with you yet. Hallelujah. 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 How many people are glad to be here in this humble setting today? to be challenged and changed. This word will change you. Praise God. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Praise those. Some of you got a mustard seed faith that the devil says, why bother? It's too small. You got a mountain to deal with. Amen. Jesus says, you don't need a mountain of faith to move a mountain. A mustard seed size faith can move a mountain. If that faith is in me and not in your faith or your ability to even believe but you just decide I'm going to trust God hallelujah I'm just going to call off and trust God amen (laughs) glory to God I am just going to trust this thing to God amen hallelujah and they that trust the Lord shall be as Mount Zion which cannot, why? Because God is going to see to it, which cannot and will not be removed. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about his people to deliver them. Praise God. Let's go home with a, let's go home with a song today.